Hey, 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 what's the fuss and tell me what's happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo coming at you with the Pyro Light Podcast, Episode 9. We're recording in the AM, almost PM hours, Sunday afternoon, September 6th. Uh, this podcast will probably hit the airwaves Sunday night. As always, you can find me, Pyromaniac Mo, on Twitter. It's all letters, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. The rest of the Pyromaniac crew is on Twitter, at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. And, of course, you can always interact with us on Facebook, uh, forward slash Pyromaniac. Ladies and gentlemen, we are calling this episode Down and Dirty with the Dog. That's right, I've got Dogmatica with me today. Those of you who know him, he is the secret recipe to our special sauce. Uh, in three of the last four years, he is the top ten in accuracy in the Industry Pros Challenge, and last year he was rounding out the top 12. Dog, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in Chicagoland. Uh, actually, maybe a little too beautiful. It's about 93 degrees. Uh, <laughs> happy to be inside doing this. All right, all right. So lots to talk about. Let's just get right into it. Yeah. Um, I know you guys brought up some of this, so I'm going to read down the recent Huey Lewis in the news and notes, and you just tell me what strikes you. Uh, Moncrief looks like he's going to start the season as the number four wide receiver in Indy, and rookie Philip Dorsett is going to start as the number three wide receiver behind Andre Johnson and T.Y. Hilton. In other Huey Lewis in the news and notes, Fred Jackson, of course, signed the one-year deal in Seattle. They released Turbin and ba -ba -bum, sent Christine Michael to the Cowboys. Down in New Orleans, uh, Larry Holder from the New, or New Orleans Time-Picayune thinks that Spiller and Kiri Robinson might not be ready for week one, so keep your eyes glued to the practice reports. And then finally, Jonas Gray, New England. He's been released. Staggs is going to need another number one starter for any of his daily fantasies. <laughs> so uh, what what grabs you there, dog? Anything uh, jumping out at well, you? Well, uh, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, the, the Christine Michael being sent to the Cowboys is, is kind of gigantic. Um, he's, everybody's been aching to see this guy get some sort of starting role. And to be honest, we're, we're not even sure if he's going to start there in Dallas. Um, I think they're it's definitely worth a shot going and grabbing him for a conditional pick. Uh, they didn't say exactly what it was yet, but uh, I mean, he was just, he was stuck in Seattle. His, uh, he was in neutral for the last couple of years. Uh, he couldn't get, uh, he couldn't climb the charts, couldn't get past Turbin. His inconsistencies got to him, but his talent level just jumps off the page when, when you watch him play out there. Uh, is he better than a Joseph Randall? I, I think so. Is he better than a, Darren McFadden, I think so at this point in McFadden's career, and especially since you rarely get to see McFadden on the field. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know he's going to take a few weeks to get in there. He's got to learn the system. But being behind that Dallas offensive line, whoever uh, takes control there is going to be worth quite a pretty penny in uh, fantasy land. So that one jumps off the page. Fred Jackson, I think, uh, signing in Seattle. Jumps off the page at me, too. Uh, the backups to Lynch were, you know, sparsely used, but I think Fred Jackson will be used a little bit more. I think they want to uh, taper back on using Lynch. They just paid a little more money to keep him around, so they want to protect their investment there. Fred Jackson has always been a uh, vulture his whole career. The guy just gets touchdowns and takes them from other people. 
that's what he's going to do in Seattle. He's going to take a couple touchdowns from Lynch, which I don't know. I mean, I don't think Lynch goes down my board very much, but he might end up back a couple of slots. Uh, I think he actually takes a couple touchdowns away from uh, Jimmy Graham as well, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's going to be a red zone guy. If they want to save Lynch's ass a little bit, you know, take off some of the pounding and put it on the 34, uh, almost 35-year-old. So uh, those two jump off the page. And Dorsett getting third, I think we've known that for a little bit. Both Dorsett and Moncrief are extremely talented, and they'll both be used. It'll just be a mix-and-match situation. Is it Dorsett's speed? Is it Moncrief's size that they want? We'll see. Jonas Gray being cut. Um, I mean, he was never the, the next coming of anything anyway. But uh, it is a bit of a surprise, I, I, especially with Blount being out that first week. They must have really been impressed with the other uh, scat backs that they have, enough to get rid of the uh, the bowling ball that Gray is. So whatever they're yeah, – I, I, I think they're absolutely wrong on Spiller and Robinson. I think both of those guys are actually going to be active in week one. So, uh, But definitely watch the practice charts this week. Okay. Uh, good stuff. The only thing I'll react to is just the – the news, Christine Michael, I've been hanging on to him. You know, we've talked a lot about him on mm-hmm. Pyro ever since he came out. I've been hanging on to him with fingers crossed in one of my dynasty leagues. It's a 20-man bench, so I had the room. But, boy, talk about running back by community. Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden, Lance Dunbar, now Christine Michael. Yep. Um, very interest, interested to see how that sorts itself out. Absolutely. I mean, the, nobody has you know grabbed the bull by the horns yet, but if somebody's going to do it, uh, wouldn't shock me if it was Christine. So uh, definitely watch for that. Yeah, I've heard uh, Seattle beat writers that when Lynch was out and you know Turbin or Michael would go in, it was like they said one was playing at a different speed. It's that Michael, they had to turn their head twice to make sure that they were seeing it right because it looked like Michael was playing at a different speed than Turbin. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see what he does in Dallas. For sure. Uh, with that offensive line, it, it'll be real interesting too. So, so to start this start this off here, we got a question and answer from um, Mike in Australia. Glad to know we got some uh, intercontinental fans out there. Yep. I'm basically going to distill his email for you, dog. But he's asking about two quarterback leagues. He has four quarterbacks. His question is basically which one is going to bolster his team. He wants to trade. Um, which one is going to bolster his team? He's tempted to trade away two, but he says he likes the thought of Breeze and Tannehill. So he's got Breeze, Carson Palmer, Tannehill, and Cutler. So he's talking about maybe hanging on to Breeze and Tannehill. Um, but out of all of those four, Breeze, Carson Palmer, Tannehill, Cutler, um, which one do you think is going to give him the most value to trade away? Which ones would you? Which two would you roll with? Um, all right, so being a, a two-quarterback league, they're yeah. obviously at a, a premium. Um, to have four guys like that uh, who are all starters is pretty impressive. Um, I, I, I assume it's probably a 10-man league, or do you know? Um, you know, he gave me such a long email, I distilled it into just a couple of sentences. I'm not sure um, what the total was. Okay, well, I'm, I'm guessing I'm, it would be a 10-man league. That's what uh, most people are doing nowadays. If it's a 12-man league, that those that's outstanding. But even in a 10-man league, having those four guys is is pretty nice. Um, Breeze and Tannehill definitely, I think, have the most value. Both of those guys are um, top tier, you know, top 10 type uh, QBs to have them both on your team. Very impressive. Uh, I like Carson Palmer a lot more than most other people or some other people do. But obviously, he has him listed as his second QB right there. 
Uh, I think you would be okay rolling with Breeze, Carson, and uh, Tannehill for your three if you wanted to, uh, you know, pick the brains of the other guys in your league and see if they like Cutler. I absolutely hate him, but I think that he would probably get some value back just because he's a name, a starter. Um, he, you know, has Jeffrey to throw to. Eddie Royals looked uh, pretty good in camp. Mar- uh, Martellus Bennett and people are maybe thinking or don't quite know that he's going to be a lot worse <laughs> outside of that t- uh, Tressman system that they were running there. Uh, now that's with John Fox and Gase, uh, it's not going to be the same numbers that he's going to be putting up. So I don't know if if you could take one of the guys in your uh, in your league and get a good value back for Cutler, I would maybe trade him. Otherwise, if you want to keep those four, I wouldn't blame you either. I think people will be begging you for somebody uh, eventually. Yeah, and he he does mention streaming when it comes to bye weeks, so there's an option. You know, I say you, you card them out there. I want to definitely hang on to at least one Breeze or Tannehill, yeah. and I don't mind rolling. I love Carson Palmer this year. I think he's going to be fantastic this year. So I say trot him out there. You know, if it's a, a dynasty, um, Tannehill's value certainly goes up. You know, he's just got longevity. Breeze sure. doesn't. Um, so I say float it, you know, throw out some offers to guys, look at the rosters, look at guys who maybe don't have quite the quarterback power you do, and shoot for the moon, see what you can get. If somebody fires back, you know, see if you can settle on something. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. We got a question on uh, Twitter, at CPurvis483. In my 10-team league, I got Devontae Adams for a ninth rounder and Foster for 11th. Uh, what are their trade values right now? And he does go on to list uh, his other teams. Uh, I'm sorry, his other players on his team. But just, you know, quickly, Devontae Adams is going in the third round right now, um, wide receiver number 16. I have him just inside my top 20 for a half-point PPR. Uh, Arian Foster, I tell you, he's interesting. You know, he is my Terrapin Station Player of the Month, nice. as we all know, is some rise, some fall, some climb to get to Terrapin. And Arian Foster, man, in the last month he's gone from middle of the second, then he fell to the sixth, and now he's climbed back up to the fourth. Um, I love Foster in the fourth. You know, once this guy comes back, they're talking possibly September, he's easy, hands down, uh, RB number one. There is a possibility that he comes back for the third game of the year. If he only misses two games, that's the same as Le'Veon Bell. Uh, people have got to understand that that is uh, – he would still be at a premium right there, missing only two games. What he did in only 13 games last year was put up top five fantasy numbers. So if you're getting a guy like that in the fourth round at this point, uh, you're pretty happy about it. Now, rightfully so, he should have started in the second, dropped to the sixth, and gone to the fourth now. He's never a sure thing. Even if he does come back in week three or four or whatever it is, uh, there's no guarantee he lasts more than a, a quarter. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, he could he could uh, get injured at any single point in time. But when he is out there and he's playing for your team, uh, he's a he's a guy that can win you a week. He's a guy that can keep you steady throughout an entire year. Uh, he puts up he could put up 20 plus fantasy points any given week. And in that Houston offense, uh, it it's, hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot. They didn't go out and get a grand quarterback or, uh, or you know, both, they even got rid of Andre Johnson. So it's going to be a running game again for them, and Foster's going to dominate there. So for him in yeah. the 11th round, um, if you're – if I assume that maybe he's talking about this is a, a league where, you, yeah, where you can keep 
uh, keep guys at a certain round. And if you're keeping Foster in the 11th round, I would not trade him. Uh, I don't know if you'll get proper value back for that. Uh, same thing with Devontae Adams in the ninth, although that's a different situation because Nelson could be back next year um, and Adams could go right back to the being the number three. So, I mean, Adams in the ninth right now for this year, uh, you should be able to get a lot. You should be able to get a pretty penny for him because, uh, like you were saying, I mean, he, right now his ADP is, what, third round, did you say? Yeah, third round. And looking at the two, if Foster comes back and lights it up, his trade, he, he will be more valuable once that happens. I'm not so sure Devontae Adams is going to become more valuable than a third-rounder right now. I don't know if he's going to play and just skyrocket. I, I think he, he might have hit his current his, his high point he probably for is, yeah. uh, his, his value, mid-third round. But I think Foster, he's got potential to go up. Well, looking at the rest of his team, too, um, his running backs are just stacked. I mean, uh, I assume that's Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Anderson – Alfred Morris, uh, Todd Gurley, if, if he ever takes off, which I don't believe he will this year, and Foster. Uh, he's yep. He's got a solid RB core right there. If he can get back a stud receiver or something for Foster or maybe a stud uh, quarterback, his quarterbacks are Eli and Kaepernick. I like Eli and Kaepernick. I think will actually surprise a little bit, but I think yep. he could bolster that a little bit. Uh, I love Travis Kelsey as his tight end. His wide receivers are – Good. Um, A.J. Green, I, you know, I, I like A.J. Everybody likes him. Amari Cooper, I think he's a good riser, especially if this is PPR in any way. Uh, John Brown has is, is risen up my charts, and Devontae Adams and Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. He could use uh, maybe a little bit better wide receiver. If, I don't know if I'd get rid of Devontae. I think he's really solid right there. If you're not getting back some sort of receiver in return, you might find yourself hurting at some point. Uh, so... If he could use anything, it's a, a you know a, another really good tight, uh, wide receiver or a QB. Uh, but I, I like what I like his team. It's a good one. I agree. And we actually have one more question. It pertains to the Raiders, and we're gonna sneak that one in later. Uh, so all right, f- folks, here we are, man. We are less than a week away from actual meaningful NFL games. Um, so what we're gonna do here today? Well, we've got dog is go basically in order of the NFL.com listing, just the way the Pyro Heavy podcast does during the regular season. I've written up at least one question per matchup. Sometimes I sneak in two. So we're calling this the Smokestack Lightning Round Questions. (laughs) Shining just like gold, why don't you hear me crying? Those fantasy football questions for Doug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I love your dad references, by the way. I don't know if everybody (laughs) gets them, but... uh, I know every line. Uh, I've, I've sung every line. Uh, I used to play in a, a dead cover band. So that's go- such good stuff. But let's get it going on. Yeah, I wish I was a better singer. Otherwise, I, I would give my best pig pen impersonation right there. But I just I can't do that to the fans <laughs> out there. I've got a terrible voice. Uh, but thanks. I've had a few people on Twitter comment on the dead references. So nice. uh, it's getting out there. It's People are picking it up. Nice. Steelers-Patriots, Thursday night game. Uh, this is Brady's... First game back, and my question is basically, do you think he's going to be coming out of the gates hot, pissed, you know, playing with a good L-sized chip on his shoulder, or is he going to be a bit mentally depleted, um, maybe a little underprepared due to um, lack of recent reps in practice? How do you see his first game back? Um, well, 
first and foremost, I think he will be a little bit pissed. I, w- I think he will have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he'll want to come out and make people forget about all of that uh, that, that that just went down with Deflategate and everything. Um, but I also think that, uh, and I don't know if it's so much rust or he'll be have mental problems out there because he's too much of a veteran to, to, to show that sort of stuff. But the fact that the team is so kind of in disarray outside of him, he won't have Blount there. Uh, Jonas Gray just got jettisoned. So he'll have, you know, a, a backfield that consists of, uh, you know, a, a makeshift. It's not all the same guys that he's used to. I mean, he's got, he'll have what, Deion Lewis, Brandon Bolden, James White, uh, possibly a Travaris cadet. I don't know exactly who, who they're going to be starting and running with there, but uh, I mean, that's kind of a strange group to be working with. Brand LaFell got put on the uh, the pup list, so we won't have him there. Edelman's been injured all of camp, so he won't have his steady Eddie there. Uh, Dobson is inconsistent. Uh, and I guess there's Amendola, but I, I don't know, man. It's it, That's where I think his problems are going to be. I don't think it's going to really be uh, behind mentally or down mentally or, or there'll be any rust. But um, I think that just not having that same core group out there that he was used to last year, especially towards the end, I think that will show itself. Um, I guess, of course, having Gronk helps any day of the week. So, I mean, it, it won't be a terrible game. I do not think um, it'll be a shootout, though. Uh, there's been a few games recently, that first Thursday night game. Back when it started, it used to be a really slow game. Teams, you could tell the teams weren't quite ready, and it was kind of ugly. But these last few years, they've had some really good games on um, really high-scoring games. You know, Denver was coming out of the gate, scoring 49 points a couple years ago. Seattle beat uh, Green Bay, I think it was uh, maybe 36-16 to 16 last year, which is pretty high-scoring. Um, that's, that, that's not too bad. This Pittsburgh game with New England, interesting. Um, I don't think it'll be a shootout. There's too many missing pieces without Le'Veon Bell out there, without Martavis Bryant out there. This is uh, looking. I, I can't say it's going to be a defense, defensive battle either, but I don't see anybody going berserk. You know, this. I don't think this is going to be the greatest fantasy game for for many people. Yeah, and just overall points, like you say, Yahoo um, comes out with a consensus of Vegas lines. I mean, every Vegas casino mm-hmm. has their own line over-under. But uh, when I checked yesterday, the over-under Yahoo consensus for Vegas was only 51 points. Yeah, and normally I think for uh, a game like this, you would say it's easy. Yeah, normally. yeah. oh, that, over. Yeah, definitely over on that. I mean, I, yeah. they, they definitely go higher on that. But I think that, yeah, I mean, they understand what's going on as well as anybody. And uh, they don't make millions upon billions of dollars a year <laughs> just throwing out bullshit lines. Uh, <laughs> yep. they're, they're right on that one. And I don't see it being a shootout. So I'd actually maybe even call the under. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, next team or next matchup is uh, we've got seven one o'clock games and we've got five games that's starting at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So we've got Packers versus the Bears, an NFL classic. So let's start with the Packers. Uh, in DraftKings, Devontae Adams is starting at forty four hundred. That's a pretty nice price. Now, it, would you take him in DraftKings, or do you think he's going to take a few weeks to sort of you know, get used to this new system, his new situation, his new opportunity. Um, again, I, th- I think it's a bit of a mix uh, on this one. Yes, I would definitely take him at 4,400. Um, anytime you're going up against a Bears defense, uh, which has been just horrible yeah. uh, of late, 
I think you got to take that opportunity, especially at a price that low with him being the starter out there now. Uh, I would have almost maybe taken him as the third receiver on the Packers if Nelson was was healthy at 4,400 there. So, yeah, I, I would definitely take uh, him there. However, it, it may take him a little bit to get used to this new role. I don't think he's going to come out of the gates and, and put up 120 yards and, and a touchdown. Um, it, I think it'll be more along the lines of, you know, 70, 80 yards. I do think he'll, he'll, he'll get a touchdown on this one. The Packers have owned the Bears over the years. Uh, Rodgers knows exactly what he's going after here. And uh, people will be paying a, a lot more attention to Randall Cobb. But Adams, is uh, he's a stud in his own right. And he was named the star of their camp at, at one point. So Nelson or not there, uh, Nelson or not in the lineup, it, it doesn't matter. I think Adams was ready to take a, a leap anyway. So at 4,400, I think he'll be just fine. Looking at the Bears, I got a question, and a lot of times I hear this more maybe from D-Rex, but I want to know, putting you on the the analytical couch here, uh, what is the source of the seemingly deep-rooted Alshon Jeffrey loathing? I mean, is it the recent, you know, injury news? Um, I, you know, I know here in Michigan we got a guy, Tim Twentyman, he's a great beat writer. Oh, yeah. Um, he's really locked into the Lions. So what are you guys hearing from your local beat writers that's making you so down on Alshon? Is it just he's not a go-getter? You don't like his attitude? Well, uh, here's the thing. Um, a, a couple of years ago, he really turned it up a notch in the offseason. He was working hard uh, with Brandon Marshall, and they were working out really hard, and he was really wanted to bolster his game so he can get uh, get – really in tune with that Tressman offense and put up big numbers, which he did. And he really improved on everything. His strength got a lot better and his concentration, his hands have always been really good. Um, so that was nice to see. But this last off season, it seemed like he kind of rested on his laurels a little bit. I think he might've been a tiny bit injured and it seemed like um, people were questioning his heart and questioning his drive um, after putting up a couple of uh, really nice years uh, in that Tressman system. I'm down as down on him um, heart wise as as D-Rex may be, um, or or as uh, Houdini might be, but uh, I definitely am not as high on him concerning the system uh, change, and I, I I absolutely can't stand Cutler anymore. And to be honest, I'll just mention this because it's it's a Bears little tidbit as well. I don't think Cutler lasts more than six games this year. I think that he will be benched uh, as soon as things get out of control, which they will with the Bears. They have a very tough opening uh, of the year schedule it wouldn't shock me if they started out 0-4 0-5 and once that happens the Bears are going to have to take a look at the team and say you know what this is not a team that's going anywhere we need to start looking at the future Cutler's not the answer maybe we can uh, play him up and get a trade for him there's going to be some uh, some teams out there that will need a quarterback maybe they can get rid of him in the middle of the season with the trade deadline being pushed back now uh, to after like week eight, I think he, we may be able to move him, but I don't think he lasts uh, as a starting quarterback. I really don't. Um, so I, I think with that happening and not having that great of a backup, uh, I think Elshon takes a bit of a hit this year. Uh, so it, it's not the heart I question. It's the change of system and the quarterback play. Uh, that's that's why I'm down on Elshon personally. These other guys not liking his heart. I, I mean, I, I guess I understand that. You hear a few things from beat writers and stuff, and he's never been fast in the first place. He's a slow, uh, slow lumbering guy out there. Not lumbering, but he never he doesn't look quick either. So I guess you could kind of see that as loafing a bit. But 
I understand that that's just the way he plays the game. His hands are outstanding, and he goes up and he goes after a ball. So that's uh, definitely a plus for him. But it's the system for me. I just, I just, I, with this change in system, and I hate Cutler. I just don't see him uh, being where people are drafting him. I, I guarantee you, he's not going to be on any of my teams personally. Yeah, I probably like Cutler a little bit more than you guys. I think your consensus is 22, roughly, and I think you're lower than that. Yeah, uh, I've got him. I think just inside my top 20, 1918, right around there. Um, but boy, you know, uh, Clawson, he didn't look bad when he came in last year. He's going through the concussion protocol, I believe, right now. Yeah. But uh, he didn't look too bad last year. And you know, with that defense, they're going to have to put up some points if they want to. Stay in game. That's true. That, that, that's true. That's very true. And Cutler actually put up a, a good amount of fantasy points next year. So if I'm he's a, wrong, he's a good fantasy quarterback. He's not necessarily an NFL quarterback, but he's not not bad at fantasy. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm just I'm concerned about the change of system. I mean, it, yeah. he did put up a lot of points last year, and that's you know, all fine and dandy, but it was a different system. He had Brandon Marshall. Um, yep. So I don't know. We'll see how yep. it plays out. The Kansas City Chefs. Oh, great googly moogly. The Kansas Kansas City Chiefs versus the Texans. So Kansas City. Now I'm going to bring everyone back uh, to the middle school days. We in Michigan we used to have these KC Hall dances, Knights of Columbus Hall. So I got kind of a middle school type question for you. You're going to just circle yes or no when I pass you this note. Okay. So would you take Macklin? Yes or no? Over Mark Ing- Macklin's going right now early fourth. Would you take him over Mark Ingram? No. Would you take Macklin over Jimmy Graham? Mm. Are we concerned? Are we considering the ADPs? Well, they're right. They're very very close right now. Um, I'm using Fantasy Football Calculator and Macklin, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Uh, I was using PPR. Macklin is going third pick of the fourth round. Uh, Jimmy, Cram- Jimmy Graham's ADP is tenth pick of the third. So they're only about five picks away from each other. Um, I would take Jimmy Graham still. Take Jimmy Graham. Yeah. So okay. Uh, Macklin. What about what about uh, Doug Martin? Uh, I I think I started the the, the train for Doug Martin uh, weeks and weeks ago. Uh, people were. Uh, finally uh, realizing just what he has going on there now in his turnaround, I would take Doug Martin. Okay. Um, maybe one more. Uh, let's stick in, yeah, Amir Abdullah. I, I, I would take the chance on Abdullah. All right. All right. So, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, if you want me to say a couple words here on, on the Macklin thing, I listen, I love the kid. Um, I was a big fan of his when he was on the Eagles. Um, and it was a bummer with the injuries and stuff. But when he came back, I was rooting for him, and he put up great numbers, and I'm, I'm very happy for him. He went to the wrong place. Uh, granted, I'm, hey, uh, kudos to him for grabbing the money. But that KC system that they run there, I think he'll, he'll do better than Dwayne Bowe did for sure. Uh, he's a he's a better receiver than Dwayne Bow was in that system, and he's reunited with Andy Reid, I think, which is also a, a bonus. But it's still Alex Smith, and it's still a running game there. And it goes through Jamal Charles. Kelsey's going to get uh, a, a ton of targets as well, and uh, Macklin will not be getting the long balls. Alex Smith is not a long ball type of of thrower, 
So his numbers are going to take a hit. So I, you mentioned all these guys that uh, you were talking about there. If they're where their ADPs are, which is right around Macklin, I would take the mm-hmm. chance on the other guys. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, I'm not as big of a believer in Macklin uh, where he landed, although I've got a long-standing argument going with Stags that uh, he he's kind of a Macklin liker believer, I suppose, and. Um, Personally, I think a guy like Allen Robinson is going to do better than Macklin. He likes a Macklin, and they're they're going pretty darn close to each other. Allen Robinson's going, believe in the fifth. I'm going to side with you on that. I, I like Allen Robinson too. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to get the wording down for our bet to make it official. But uh, yeah, I think <laughs> Robinson's going to have a better year. I just Kansas City. Uh, I don't like the system, and I don't like the quarterback. Yep, agreed. Um. All right, so let's move on here. Oh, you know what? Here, Here's my last one for you. Jeremy Macklin or Olivia Munn, except she's got thumbs that are three times bigger than normal size. Whew. Um, I got to tell you, Olivia Munn, that's D-Rex's girl. I would never mess <laughs> with that, so I'm going to go Macklin here. All right. <laughs> the thumbs bother me, too, but uh, we can work around yeah. that. I stole that one from a Tom Robbins book, uh, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Nice. Hot-looking girl. And, except she has three times as big thumbs as normal people. So she's a natural-born hitchhiker. <laughs> yep, there you go. Browns versus the Jets. I got a Jets question. Uh, I think we're all on record as liking, and I'm going to even say loving, Chris Ivory. Mm-hmm. Um, preseason, 5.8 yards per carry. But how concerned are you about the running back by community there? Do you think he's going to be a bell cow back or do you think that possibly he's going to be cannibalized by some of the other running backs um i i think that he proved in the preseason that uh he he's the guy that you got to use and he's the guy that you got to roll with the uh the other guys are all they're mediocre talents at best i mean Bilal powell and, and zach stacy neither one of those guys scare me and even when a stevon ridley comes back if he comes back you don't know how how well he's going to be playing uh, coming off of a, a major surgery major injury um plus he hasn't gotten the reps he has he hasn't he hasn't in game shape uh, it may take him you know four four plus weeks just to get back into the mix and get back into actual game shape so that wouldn't be until week 10 at, at the earliest for him um i love an ivory at, at this point yeah. he is going to be a bell cow there in a running offense um uh, that actually has some decent weapons that keeps the secondary at bay. I don't think they're going to be bunching the line. And I think that right. with Ryan Fitzpatrick now under center, um, I, I wouldn't say it's scary, but you definitely have to respect it a little bit more than you would be respecting a Geno Smith being under center. So I think Ivory's going to have room to run. And, I mean, last year he was a top 20 back. So, I mean, if you were to list the top 20 running backs uh, who you would think were in the top 20 last year, I don't think Ivory would come to your mind. But he, he put up top 20 numbers last year, and that was in a role that was going to be limited compared to what he's going to put up this year and what he's going to be uh, asked to handle this year. So I, I love an ivory there. Yeah, I'm going off memory here. He was, uh, I believe, a RB number one, I think just three times, but he was RB number two, like 10 times, more than 50% of the games that he played. Yeah. Um, the one thing that does concern me, though, he's never had over 200 carries. 198 is his most he's ever had. That was last year, and that was his only time he's played 16 games. Don't get me wrong, I love Beast East, but injuries and never having a real full load, it's something to consider. True. Um, When he was on New Orleans, they had 
three backs that they were using ahead of him regardless. Um, that was just, that was a full out committee there that he didn't get to uh, take part in as much as he should have. Uh, when he did finally get a, a chance with due to the injuries there, he proved his worth, which is the reason why the Jets went out and, and got him. Um, so, uh, yes, the injuries uh, from his past do bother me a little bit, but I think the reason why he hasn't gotten the amount of carries that he should have more so is simply because he's been stuck in bad situations. And now that he's in a great situation, um, hopefully he can keep his health and he'll prove his worth uh, to fantasy owners this year if he does. Yeah, we all know Decker's a great number two with Marshall, and I think people don't give Fitzpatrick enough credit. Agreed. And it's certainly enough of a threat to keep defenses out of the box and to give him some room to run, like you said. For sure. Uh, going on to the next matchup, we've got Colts versus the Bills. Here's some FF trivia time for you, dog. I got a question. I actually tweeted this one out the other night. Yeah. Um, in 2014, which Buffalo Bill player set career-high records in targets, receptions, and receiving yards? Ooh. Uh, wow. That's, uh, I mean, uh, of course, not being a rookie. Uh, I mean, yeah, it couldn't be a rookie because that would be highs for all of them, right? Um, Correct. Wow, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it's Scott Chandler. I, I don't know. It's a good question. Are you talking receiver? Does it have to be a receiver? No. Nope. Uh, Freddie? No. Uh, yes. Was it Freddie? Yeah, yes. Freddie Jackson. Okay. Fred Jackson, 90 targets, 66 receptions, 500 yards receiving, all career highs, and then a swift swift kick out the door. Yes, uh, interesting. Well, his age is is showing a bit. Um, yeah. But still, wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah. So keeping in mind, we've got the Fred Jackson loss, and he's taking 90 targets from the receiving game with him, uh -huh. and we've got Tyrod Taylor as the starter. Um, how do you see this affecting the receiving game? You know, guys like Watkins, uh, Charles Clay, Woods, uh, do they benefit uh, or are they hurt by the loss of Jackson and the 90 targets and Tyrod Taylor? Do you think the receiving game goes up or down? Um, it, it, interest, interesting here. Um, I think that Charles Clay, uh, that's, that system that they run there, um, is going to benefit Charles Clay quite a bit. I think he is being way undervalued in, in drafts. Agreed. Here, you know, yeah, uh, he's going to get peppered in. He's one of the, he's one of those type of tight ends that uh, he can break off a 60 yarder, which he has already in the preseason. Uh, break off a 60, 65 yarder. He was drafted um, when he was at the combine. He wasn't listed as a tight end. He was listed as, I believe, athlete is what they called it. Um, a guy who can pretty much do anything. Uh, he came out and started playing H-back for, for Miami, and then they turned him into a tight end, and he was running some fullback. He even ran the ball a few times because they had uh, injuries marring their backfield there. Um, he's proven that he could, he's, you know, he's a valuable asset to an offense. I think he gets peppered a lot. I think he takes a, a bunch of those targets that uh, left with Fred Jackson leaving. Um, I think Watkins, yeah, Watkins will benefit a little bit too. He's you know, jumps off the page when you watch him in practice, when you watch him in games. Tyrod Tyrod Taylor is actually a lot uh, more accurate than people were thinking. I, I think people were thinking. I think that he was just a running quarterback, which he is. He's very good at that. But uh, in the preseason, he was extremely accurate as well. So I mean, guys like Watkins will definitely benefit a little bit more. I think Charles Clay takes a lot of uh, targets there. 
And you can watch out for Woods, too. Woods is a steadying force. I, I wouldn't say that he's somebody that I would want on my fantasy team. Um, I don't think he's going to put up numbers that warrant putting him in my lineup at any point. But I think Charles Clay is the guy that you really want to watch out for. Uh, he's the type of guy who can really benefit uh, in an offense like this and with a quarterback that's going to um, – you know, spread, put some holes out there that uh, a guy like Clay, who's going to be a quick hitch type of guy, uh, he's going to get a lot of reception out of this too. Yeah, I think Clay for sure will get uh, a bump up. And Tyrod Taylor, like you say, he's been surprising people. Uh, completion percentage in the preseason so far, 77%. Yeah. I mean, that's not what people were expecting from this kid. No. At all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, that's for sure. And it's not like... Uh, they have world beaters at the uh, you know the wide receiver positions either. I mean Watkins, sure he he could be a star in the making, but uh, you know they haven't really had a, a system or the quarterback that would allow for that yet. But you know to be able to throw at that type of percentage with uh, with what he's working with out there, that's impressive. This Bills team is really going to be uh, one to watch out for this year. That defense is pretty ferocious too. Let's move on to uh, the next matchup here: Miami, Washington. Starting with Miami, uh, Vegas has them as nine wins this year, which is one more than last year. They were eight and eight. They did not go to the playoffs, but it's another year under the Bill Lazor system, which is just basically a, a mini me of Chip Kelly. Yep. Um, in fact, you know, let me ask it to you like this: Just give me a yes or no. Would you take the following wide receivers at their current ADP for PPR? Uh, Landry, would you take him in the fourth round? Yes. Would you take uh, Stills in the 14th? Yes. Would you take Jennings as a late-round flyer? 100%. Because he's not even being drafted on FFC, Fantasy Football Focus Calculator. And at this point, he's uh, Or actually, Fantasy Football Calculator. Yeah. He's not even being drafted. And he's starting right now uh, to, to, because due to injuries and Stills, uh, you know, having injury, he's finally back. But um, he hasn't worked his way into that offense. Greg Jennings is way undervalued. First of all, his veteran presence out there is going to help all of these receivers as is, and it's going to help Tannehill. Uh, but second of all, people underestimate just how good he was. And yeah, he's older, but he could he could still you know play ball out there. He's not you know he's he's not where uh, he's not at a point where he should. He's not draftable. I mean that's unreal. Well, I heard uh, on a podcast, I forget which one, but they were talking, one guy was saying, you know, some, a supposed expert was saying that Landry is the most familiar with the system. He's the only one that caught passes from Tannehill there last year. And the other guy said, no, I think Jennings is the most familiar. He studies, he knows his playbook, he is smart. Absolutely. He has he's digested the system. Uh, so he just, his... NFL wits, his NFL IQ, his wide receiver IQ might be giving him a leg up. Last one. So, so far you've taken all the Miami wide receivers at their current ADP. Landry, fourth round, Stills, 14th, late round flyer on Jennings. What about Parker? He's going in the middle of the 10th. All right. So Parker's a, a little tricky here. Um, the talent is off the charts. Uh, he was drafted pretty high and rightfully so. Um, the injury definitely hurt for sure. Uh, it took away a lot of reps and a lot of learning uh, time from him. So it may take him a little time to get into this offense and work himself up to where uh, he's usable on your fantasy team. But the fact of the matter is that he did look good. They put, they fi finally put him out there. He was catching passes, and he looked good doing it. And they say that he's actually going to be probably suiting up for this first week, which is nice to hear because it was, it was starting to get pretty doubtful that he would be ready for week one. 
but now he's going to be there. And once his talent, uh, once his knowledge of the offense catches up to his talent level, uh, gonna, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. He won't do much for your team um, until, you know, the second half of the season. And even then it's questionable. So listen, I love the kid for a dynasty purposes for a year to year. This being his first rookie year, it'll be a little bit tough, especially being a rookie uh, receiver in a system that is going to be known by the other receivers already. Uh, That one's tricky. Would I take the chance on him in the 10th if I was solid with the rest of my team? Sure. Absolutely, but that's a tricky one. That's the trickiest of, the all, of all of them. Yeah, and what, they've got the 18th easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers, so kind of smack in the middle. Um, he could be one that guys draft and then get ticked about and dr- actually drop, yep. and you might be able to you know pick them up off the waiver wires. I'm in a team, 12 team, we've only got 14 guys on the roster. Oh wow! And someone, you know, picked him up, and I kind of thought, boy, he might be some guy I could snake off the waiver wires after week five or six, just because I think he will have that slow start. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I mean, that happens with a, a lot of guys, um, where uh, you know they start off the season just not performing for your team, and you know you drafted him because of the name, and maybe they just didn't know the offense yet, or we're behind on the learning curve or whatever, and then. You end up dropping him, and you, somebody picks him up for a steal and ends up starting him for the rest of the year. There's a lot of guys like that. Parker could be uh, one of the better ones later on in the year. Yeah, it's almost a fantasy football curse, right, when you drop a guy? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. The next week he blows yeah, up. Of course. Uh, on the Washington side, now, we've stated that Alf statistically has better games with RG3, but let's keep it positive here at Pyro. Uh, now that RG3 is sitting, uh, who benefits the most from Cousins starting at QB? Pierre Garçon. Uh, plain, and, I plain and simple. agree 100%. Um, last year, uh, the, the games that Cousins uh, was playing in are the games that Garçon had his best statistics um, over the course of the season. So I, the two of them are work very well together. Um, they have been working well together and uh, during the preseason as well, during practices. They're hooking up better. Uh, they're switching the positions of Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, so Garcon will get a lot more targets this year. And the fact that he's more familiar with Cousins and, and uh, works better with him, I think that he's the guy that benefits the most. It's unfortunate for you know Alfred Morris a little bit. Uh, holes are opened a lot more when you have a running quarterback, so it definitely helped him when RG3 was starting. It'll be more slow and steady with Morris this year with Cousins out there. It'll be along the lines of, you know, every week will be you know, 20, 21 for 80, 85 yards and maybe a touchdown every other week or something like that. Uh, is, he, is that worth having on your team? Absolutely. Uh, is it a good, you know, RB2 for you? Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it's definitely not what it was looking like it could be with RG3 starting. Right. And I can't agree more with the Garcon call. Uh, last season, this is was surprising, I thought. On the TPW chart that you get with Pyro Pro, it's top positional weeks. So I took a look at, um, for in this instant, quarterbacks. How many times Kirk Cousins was a top 12 quarterback? Well, he only played six games. He was a top 12 quarterback four out of the six in weeks two, three, five, and six. Now, Garcon, he only had two TPWs. He only had two weeks where he was a wide receiver number one. 
both of those came with Cousins under center. Yep. Deshaun is Deshaun is Deshaun. He had six weeks where he was a top wide receiver, three of them with Cousins, two with RG3, one with McCoy. I don't think he really gets affected all that much, but Garcon, his play is going to come up quite considerably. I fully agree. Panthers versus the Jags. Uh, Panthers, last season, there was only two tight ends that earned 30% of their team's red zone targets, Julius Thomas and Greg Olson. And to be fair, Martellus Bennett earned 29% of the team's red zone targets. So with Kelvin Benjamin gone, do you think Olson could repeat this activity? Are they going to pepper him more towards the red zone? Or maybe they're just not going to be in the red zone as much because they don't have Kelvin Benjamin. So do you like... Olsen more because Kelvin Benjamin is gone or less. That's all right. This is another one of those. Uh, this is another one of those. It it actually goes both ways, um, and I'll, I'll explain. The loss of Benjamin obviously will get. I think it gets Olsen more targets. Um, I think his targets will probably increase by maybe on average one a game, one and a half a game, which gives him maybe 20, 25 more targets over the course of the season. That's a lot of targets, and he is going to get a lot of targets because that is a very, very, very weak uh, wide receiving core. However, if you're, getting, if you're going to give him 20 more targets over the course of the season, because, he's go- because no team is going to be scared of that wide receiving core, I think they start to concentrate on Olsen a little bit more. Um, I think they chuck him a little bit more at the line. I think they uh, play a high-low on him, put you know somebody underneath him, maybe have a safety uh, come up and watch the over on him. So I think those 20 extra targets maybe turns into only six or seven more receptions and maybe one more touchdown. I think he only had six last year. So, I mean, it's not it doesn't boost his value all that much, um, but it does. But it, but it does. I mean, it's obviously just getting anything more out of a guy who was a top five tight end, regardless, is a good thing. But um, it, I don't think it boosts it to the point where people are like, oh, he's he's the number two tight end in the league right now. That's that's just preposterous. I, although him and Kelsey and and Graham are all kind of interchangeable as is at this point with the change of uh, scenery for Graham um, and Colt, Kelsey will get a boost this year after. You know, only playing a specific amount of uh, snaps uh, begin only being utilized uh, not as much as he should in the first six to eight weeks because he didn't know the system completely yet. Uh, this year, Kelsey, I think, is going to jump off the charts. Um, so I think those two, three, four guys behind Gronk will be Olsen and uh, Kelsey and Graham, and they're all interchangeable. So I, Olsen could get the number two spot in fantasy this year as, as a tight end, but uh I don't know. I, he, it's it's still a little scary with him. A, a year older. Uh, now he's going to be doubled a little bit more, which is strange to say uh, that a tight ends can be doubled, double teamed. Uh, you don't usually do that uh, unless it's Gronk or Graham in their systems. But Olsen's going to get doubled. He'll get more targets, but those targets aren't going to turn into a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, uh, I agree. And especially with the tier there, Kelsey, Olsen, Graham, kind of inter- interchangeable. I actually scored Kelsey uh sixth round in my 12 team league back in the sixth round oh, so nice. I, w- I was happy with him there because he's been going in the fifth and boy greg olson talk about a terrapin station climber he's gone up since the kelvin benjamin injury he's gone up one full round he's going uh in the fifth i believe now or no i'm sorry he was going in the fifth and since that injury he's now going in the fourth round oh wow 
That's early for me. Yeah. That's a little bit early. Absolutely. Cons- considering I think he can get the same thing, kind of the same numbers as Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go with uh, Seahawks and Rams. Uh, I gave this stat out uh, to Houdini when he did one of the episodes with me. Out of all wide receivers that were targeted at least 10 yards downfield, only four had a catch rate better than 70%. So we're talking targeted, not after they catch the ball and then run, but where they were when they were targeted. There was only eight that had an average target of 10 yards down the field or more, and only four had a catch rate of better than 70%. So we're talking down the field and good hands. ODB, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, and Stedman Bailey. Uh, so Stedman Bailey was one that really surprised me. He's certainly I'm not a dude I'm drafting, but he's the guy I'm just going to be keeping my eye on, on on waiver wires. But the guy on the team that people are drafting is quick. And let's do the same uh, circle yes or no. Would you take Quick or Joyke Bell? Uh, considering where Joyke Bell is going right now, um, ooh, that's, a, that, that's a real tough one. I am a lot higher on Brian Quick than most people are. Uh, he has the potential to put up wide receiver three numbers in, in my mind this year. So that's a lot more valuable than where I believe he's being taken. Um, I don't know exactly what his ADP is. Do you have it in front of you? I do, and I wrote this up, and boy, have we learned that fantasy can change. I mean, it seems like every time we put out a, a tier kit, yeah. <laughs> something hits, something changes, we got to put out a second yeah. version. But I wrote this just a couple days ago. Uh, Quick was going, is going in the ninth round. Bell was going at pick seven in the seventh round. Ninth round for Quick. Um, I I would take the chance on quick. Uh, I, I think that Bell is really going to struggle this year to stay healthy. Uh, he, they say he's the number one guy there, and he may be to start off, but after knee and uh, Achilles surgeries this offseason, uh, that doesn't bode well for, for your longevity uh, over the course of a season, uh, especially when you got a guy nipping at his heels and probably going to overtake him in an uh, Amir Abdullah. Uh, I'd take the chance on quick. If you're taking the chance on quick, I'm guessing you would still take the chance. I'm just moving, I guess, up the ADP. Sure. So I'm going from round seven to round eight. Uh, I'm guessing you're still going to take the chance on quick over a Rashad Jennings or a Tevin Coleman. Over Jennings, yes, 100%. Uh, I have no faith in that guy. Tevin Coleman is um, he's a wild card. Uh, he is a guy that to I say the least. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they drafted him for a reason they tried last year going with a a running back that was going to get you four yards a carry pretty much every carry and that was Steven Jackson turned out Steven Jackson couldn't quite even do that for a while and he was injured so that didn't quite work out and it didn't add to the offense so they decided to change it up they went after a home run hitter and that's what Tevin Coleman is he may not get you a, a yard or even two on three carries in a row but that fourth one could go for 25 or 30 any single time. And he showed it in the preseason game that he played in. Uh, he, had, he rambled off runs of, uh, I think it was 15 and 29 yards, and they haven't seen that in a while. That's not something that uh, Atlanta's used to seeing. So if he grabs that backfield uh, and takes control of it really quick, he's a guy that people are going to be happy having gotten in the eighth round, and he could end up being a steal there. However, 
if uh, if it turns out all those one yard runs and and being stuffed at the line and negative runs are taking their toll on him and they don't trust him back there and they end up using Freeman a lot more, then uh, it'll it will be a wasted pick. Uh, it's it's a real wild card there. Uh, would I take a chance yeah. on Brian Quick or, or Tevin Coleman? To be honest, with Quick coming off of surgeries himself and being in a somewhat of an anemic offense with a Jeff Fisher offense with, a, a, I believe, a weak quarterback, I would maybe take a chance on Coleman there on, on hitting the home run. And I could certainly ask you about wide receivers, but folks, if you want to know where Doug feels and uh, his look at his tiers, you can pick up a draft kit for 20 bones and you can get all kinds of info. And even on the latest podcast, uh, the Pyro Boys on the Pyro Heavy broke down the consensus rankings so you can see where Quick is going versus other wide receivers. But what about Quick? Let's switch to quarterback. Uh, going in about the same round, and Eli Manning, who are you going to take first there? Uh, I would take a Manning. Uh, he's got a lot of potential this year. I, I think he's, I don't want to say he's undervalued, but I don't think that people understand just how good he could be this year. Um, I, I'm having a tough time with the trust factor because of uh, the, the wide receivers being either injured or coming off of injury or, uh, you know, it's being a sophomore slump possibly with a ODB. Yeah, I'm just not quite sure what's going to happen there, and I have no trust in Larry Donnell. Uh, but I do like an Eli Manning there. I think he's worth a shot. So you take Eli? I would quick. take Eli at that point there, yes. What about the next quarterback going off the board, according to FFC, the fantasy football calculator, is Phillip Rivers? Another interesting one. I think undervalued uh, Rivers. I think people are putting him too far down their, their, their list. He's a very consistent guy. Um, is going to be in certain situations where he's going to be need to pass a little bit more. I think getting Stevie Johnson actually helps that offense uh, quite a bit. Having uh, two steady catchers in in Keenan Allen and Stevie Johnson out there to throw to is is a nice thing. Having uh, Danny Woodhead back uh, definitely adds yeah. to him as well. That's huge. Um, I would probably take the chance on Rivers there too. I, like I said, though, I, I am higher on Quick than people than most people are. But the thing is, is that I'm probably going to be waiting on QB. So if I can get get me a Manning or Rivers in those ninth, tenth, eleventh rounds and stuff like that, I'd be very happy to get him there. Uh, quick, I will probably have already where he's going. I mean, if I could get him in the ninth, that's a great thing to boost, you know, the back end of my wide receiving core. That that'd be great. But I'll already have a few three or four, maybe even five wide receivers by that point. So I don't know if I'd be grabbing quick uh, as a sleeper as my sixth. Maybe, I don't know, but I'd, I'd rather have that uh, stud QB, the guy who can uh, round out my team pretty well at that point. Yeah, I got to say, you know, I'm usually late round quarterback myself, uh, but you know your league. Um, the average draft position for Ben Roethlisberger is the sixth round in a 12-team league. Uh, I got him in the seventh round, and it's a six-point passing touchdown league. Holy cow. So I thought Ben Roethlisberger in the seventh round and six points for passing. I just couldn't pass. Oh, I, I, <laughs> would, I would. Use a pun. I couldn't pass that up. Uh, that's uh, exactly the way to say it. <laughs> that's a steal uh, in a six-point yeah. passing TD league. That's a steal for you. Nice work. So, although we often preach, you know, the uh, late round QB, know your league, guys. And uh, if 
you know, goodness. If some good goo falls into your lap, grab it up. Absolutely. How about uh, the Saints versus the Cardinals? The Saints. Now, I discussed this with Sigmund Bloom on my most recent fantasy football talk. We turned it into a podcast. Check that out. Uh, it was actually my second interview with Sigmund, and, and just to give him a tip of the hat, he's a terrific fantasy football mind, but even more importantly, he's a, he's a real genuine, kind soul, Sigmund Bloom. Um, we discussed the fact that the Saints have led all teams in the past few years with pass attempts to the running back position. That said, how confident in Spiller are you as a fifth rounder in PPR? Um, I'm, I'm extremely confident. Of course, there's the, uh, the little thing in the back of my head saying, well, uh, injured, uh, just had a nice little surgery. Uh, is that going to take its time? I mean, he's kind of had a uh, slightly injured past as well. It's it's a it's a little nerve wracking, but um, if he stays healthy through the whole year, and you, if you draft him, you got to have confidence in that. Uh, then he's a steal in the fifth, if you ask me. In a system like that, with uh, the talent level that he's at, uh, he'll put up sprawls the numbers and a lot more. And that's uh, that's some good fantasy goo for you if you get him in the fifth. And one I was surprised at, yeah, fifth round, this is PPR, he's going in the fifth. Kiri Robinson, he wasn't even being drafted. I was surprised there. I thought he'd for sure be a late-round guy, given how much the Saints pass. Uh, that, yeah, that does. That blows my mind. Not just with how much they pass, but Ingram has had a real problem with health along you yep. know, in the course of his career as well. Um, so to have his direct backup, in, in, in that system and what they do with that offense um, for Kerry Robinson to go undrafted is uh, that's a shame. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's going to be too bad for uh, somebody lucky is going to grab him off the waiver wire at some point and possibly have a nice RB two on their hands for the rest. If Ingram goes down, of course, uh, for the rest of the year. And that's a, uh, that's a steal. Uh, if you can get him late in your drafts, please do uh, because he, he could be worth it. Yeah, he's got both situation and opportunity. The situation is he's got running backs ahead of him that are both very fragile, mm -hmm. and he's got opportunity with the Saints because they love passing it to backs out of the backfield. Yep. Uh, so he's worth a late-round flyer for sure, Kiri Robinson. Well, I agree. Next, next matchup, Lions versus Chargers. I'm Motown man, so let's stick with the Lions on this one. Yep. Uh, we, all, we all know Calvin, bumpy season last year considering his health, but let's just say he's plays all 16 can golden tate finish as a wide receiver number two well I'll, I'll say this um last year uh i had calvin as uh one of my before the season started we like i think it's like two or three weeks after the super bowl ends we name who we think is going to be next year's bus and next year's uh, you know surprise uh golden boys um, Calvin was one of my busts. Uh, Percy Harvin was one of my busts, and Calvin was one of my busts. With the way that they, I, Percy Harvin was an obvious one to me. Uh, you just yeah. know the way he's used and his health and all that sort of stuff. That was an easy call. But Calvin had, was starting to be overused and overdependent on and getting and taking too many hits. You could tell last year that he was going to. I I personally could tell that he was going to get injured. He was not going to make it the full season, and uh, he went down my charts because of it. I actually said at one point on a podcast saying, don't be surprised if he ends up out of the top ten. Sure enough, he ended up just, I think it was, I don't know, what, what did he end up last year? Maybe 12th or uh, something like that. He was outside the top ten, 
Uh, he had good numbers when he was in there, sure, but he did have a bumpy season. Now, that being said, uh, Golden Tate, when Calvin Johnson was healthy, Golden Tate was not a wide receiver, too. I think he had maybe two touchdowns, uh, one or two touchdowns when Calvin was healthy, and the rest of his gooey numbers were when, were when Calvin was out. Do I think he could be a wide receiver, too, while Calvin is healthy all season? Sure, I guess the possibility is there, but I am going to personally, I'm going to say no. I think he's overvalued. Uh, by a lot of play, uh, a lot of fantasy uh, players out there, I think he's overvalued by a couple of the guys uh, who I do these podcasts with. I think Houdini overvalues him. I think that uh, Stag Party overvalues him. Um, that, granted, he, Golden Tate is a great talent, and there's a chance that he puts up some good numbers in various games, but he will not be consistent. There will be terrible games. Uh, there'll be games that he gets, you know, three, four catches for, you know, 30 yards, 25 yards for you because Calvin is stealing the show. Um, that's just the way it's going to be for you. I think you'll be disappointed week in, week out, having him as a consistent starter on your team. So my my thoughts are that, no, he's not going to be a wide receiver, too. As a uh, recent owner of him in a draft and as just a fan of Notre Dame and, of course, the Lions, I hope you're wrong on that I know one. you do. Um, here's my hometown Motown bonus question. Sure. If Zach Zenner if is not given the key to the city, but does he des- does he deserve at least a crack at the backfield this season? I think he does, uh, 100%. I think once Joyke Bell shows that he's not going to be coming back from those surgeries and uh, the lack of uh, play, you know playing time in the in the offense uh, because he's had to sit all off season, uh, he's going to take time to get back into full game shape. Um, I think that there's going to be a point where they notice, like, wow, Bell just doesn't have it. And why don't we chest out center here? Because he was awesome in the preseason. He was fun to watch. He seemed like he had a good handle on things. Um, is he the uh, best talent in the world? No, but you might as well give him a shot because you can't just run Abdullah all day long. Uh, he's not the type of guy that you want touching that ball 20, 25 times a game. I think that would wear him out too, uh, too quickly, being a rookie. But you want to throw... Uh, you definitely want to throw a, a Zenner in there just to see what's going on. It may take a little bit, but I think they eventually say, yeah, let's let's test it out. Yeah, for those that haven't been watching, of course, as a Lions fan, uh, one, Golden Tate, who I will say had the most yards after catch last year, he had a couple of plays where he just stopped on a dime. He looked really good and took off. And, of course, Zach Zenner has been just the talk of the news channels. He's been looking fantastic. Amir Abdullah, uh, he had a really good long run early on in the preseason, but since then, if you haven't seen Zenner, uh, check him out on, on Google, look him up on YouTube. Uh, he has passed my eye test. Nice, so yeah. I, I certainly hope he gets a crack, and uh, he might even be worth a late-round flyer, certainly watchable on the waivers early on. Titans versus the Bucks in the with the Titans. By the end of the 2015 season, Who's going to lead the team with rushing touchdowns? Sankey, Cobb, Mariata, or someone not on roster? <laughs> wow. Uh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if Sankey, Cobb, and Mariota all had the same amount of touchdowns. It would not shock me at all if all three of those guys had three touchdowns apiece and uh, somebody not on the roster or maybe Antonio Andrews had three as well or two or three. Um, this is a situation I'm staying away from 100%. Uh, 
Uh, Sankey has not proven anything to me that says he's going to run away either with the job or even if he does, that he'll crack my starting lineup ever in fantasy. Mariota is interesting. Uh, I think that uh, they're going to be passing the ball more. He's looked really good at times in the preseason. Um, I think he's got a little more talent actually at that wide receiver core that, that people think. Um, I think that Kendall Wright, if used correctly, could uh, really be a nice hookup with him uh, all season long. And Delaney Walker is a good steady uh, tight end to throw to. So Mariota actually has some value to me. That backfield, though, is just a bunch of crap, if you ask me. Yeah, it's like I said, one like you say, one to stay away from. I, I certainly think it'll be fun to watch Mariota run and to see what he does, but he's certainly not on any of my teams. Yeah, um, the Bucks now got a bit of a bone to pick here, folks. It's fairly well known, I believe, in Vincent Jackson. Mm-hmm. And just the other day, I heard D Rex giving me the business because I've got Vincent Jackson um, in my PPR ranks. I think I've got him as 22, so I've got him as a wide receiver number two. In my standard, I think I've got him at like 19, something like that. Okay. Uh, so just to give you some stats, because I'm arguing that he is a wide receiver number two. D-Rex was giving it to me that he doesn't think that the system can support that many, I guess, fantasy studs. Because certainly Evans is going to be up there as well. Uh, Vincent Jackson, if you throw out the 2010 injury year, he has 6,000-yard seasons in a row. He has 600-plus target seasons in a row. Uh, Throw out the anomaly of last year where he had two touchdowns. So in those other 5,000-yard seasons, he averaged eight touchdowns a game. His highest was nine. His lowest was seven. So it's not like he's running the numbers up with some wild year. He was very, very consistent with his touchdowns. Last year was the anomaly. And from 2011 to 2013, his worst finish in standard was 14th. Winston's referred to Vincent Jackson as somewhat of a mental role for him. Plus, now you got this Evans health question. And easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers and easiest strength of schedule for quarterbacks. Do you believe that Vincent Jackson can be a wide receiver number two? All right. So early on um, in uh, the offseason, I guess early summer, late, late spring, uh, it was crossing my mind that uh, Vincent Jackson could end up higher than people were putting him at. Um, I had him right there in the uh, in the 20s, right along where you have him. I didn't quite have him up there in the in the uh, upper teens. Uh, I didn't have him at 18 or 19, but I had him in the 20s. Um, after watching him a bit in, in in this preseason, you could tell that he's he's definitely lost a step. Um, but that I, the thing is, is that his game has been based on his height and his ability to go up and get those balls. Um, His speed was a help for sure when he was playing out there in San Diego, being able to get out there uh, and uh, get into that deep secondary and be able to catch those passes. That was definitely a a boost for him. The question, but the question is now he's not in that system anymore and he's going to have a rookie quarterback. That's where I think that the problem is actually is the rookie quarterback Rookie quarterbacks tend to depend on one singular uh, wide receiver, and that's it. If it turns out to be Jackson, sure, absolutely. And with Evans' health being a little bit in question uh, with the, the groin and stuff happening in the preseason here or the hammy or whatever it was, um, I, I, sure, I guess, I guess it's possible with, with Vincent, absolutely. But Doug Martin is proving that he deserves 
uh, some play. He definitely deserves to get that ball. They went away from the run a bit, a little bit last year simply because they had nobody who was standing up and, and doing anything for him. But Doug Martin has proven in the preseason now that he definitely deserves some run, and they want to run that ball. They want to keep this ball control. Uh, they don't want to put too much pressure on their on their number one pick, overall pick. Uh, they don't want to put it in the hands of uh, of this guy, of this kid, of Winston, um, simply because you don't want to ruin a kid's. Not that I think it would ruin his confidence, but if he just throws out some real stinkers in the beginning of the year and can't can't hit the backside of a barn the broadside of a barn that's that may fuck with his confidence a little bit but um in, in general i think that they don't want to put too much pressure on him so the question is is does if he really starts to depend on vincent jackson and likes him as his number one as opposed to evans then yeah absolutely uh vincent jackson is being way undervalued the question is and it remains to be seen when Evans gets back in there and is healthy, is he going to start going after Evans or is he going to start going after Jackson? And quite, to be quite honest, back in college, he was a tight end guy. He loved throwing to the tight end. So uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who is only a second-year you know, kid as is and didn't show much in that first year, he could actually benefit in the second year seeing how he has a guy. And rookie QBs tend to throw to the tight end a little more as well just simply because they're closer to him. They're less of a chance to take down the field. You're not going to throw as many interceptions if you're hitting the tight end. Um, so rookie QBs tend to depend on that tight end a little more. It's a real big if here. Um, you're going to have to watch a couple games to see who he's latching onto because you can't tell in the preseason because of Evans' health at first and the fact that it's just first real game action for him. Um, it's going to take a few games to figure it out, but, is it possible? Sure. Uh, Vincent Jackson is a possibility as a wide receiver, too. Do I think it's likely? No. I hate to say it, brother. I don't think it's going to be li- uh, likely for you uh, th- this year. But I don't know. Uh, stranger things have happened. And you just got to watch and see who Winston latches onto. Fair enough. Fair enough. The uh, Bengals Raiders, we're going to go off the fantasy tip here for just a moment, respond to a listener question. This was a tweet from Zach1791. He reads, Mo, I've been listening to your podcast religiously for the last two months. I know you guys mostly talk about fantasy football, but if you could break down Matt McGloin's uh, playing second fiddle in Oakland instead of starter somewhere else, I would appreciate it. Well... Uh, first off, I wrote up some numbers here. I don't know what you have to say here, Doug, yeah, but ahead, uh, Zach 1791, um, as it just so happens, the powers that be, uh, he was in a battle, that is, uh, McGloin was in a battle for the backup spot with Ponder. Uh, the Ponder did not make the 53-man roster, so McGloin locked it up. Ponder went 22 for 35 in passing in the preseason for 245 yards, one touchdown, one INT, and so they sent him packing. McGloin, though, just to compare, I mean, we're talking preseason here, uh, but just to compare versus Carr, these are coming from the NFL stats, uh, QBR rating McGloin preseason was 111, Carr 59. Preseason for McGloin completion percentage 74, Carr 55. McGloin preseason TD-INT ratio is 4 to 1, Carr threw 0 TDs and 2 picks. Again, we're talking preseason, so a lot of that is probably not coming against the starting cornerbacks and the starting defenses or second and third stringers, but it was just an interesting comparison. So uh, what are your thoughts on McGloin? Well, here's what I know about McGloin. I, first of all, I play in a rookie league, and um, meaning you have to start a rookie every single week. 
and uh, rookie QBs are always at a premium because they'll usually score more than uh, rookies at other positions. So McGloin um, was just a shot in the dark for me uh, when he when he was a rookie, and I picked up, you know I picked him up, and it turned out he ended up getting a, a starter too. Uh, strangely, and he actually put up a couple of decent, you know, statistical games for me, and he looked okay doing it. Now, do I think that he has the talent to be a starting quarterback in this league? No, I don't. Um, not for not for a team trying to really go somewhere. But he's a lot better than people think he is as well. He deserved that second uh, position over a ponder for sure. Um, the fact that he had better numbers in, in the preseason here is. As you said, he was going up against second and third stringers, um, so he was obviously going to put up better numbers. Uh, you got to like Carr, though. Carr has a real handle of, of things. He's got the respect uh, of his te- of his teammates. He runs a good offense. Um, he's a leader out there. He's a leader in the uh, clubhouse. He's a leader in the huddle. Um, I don't know uh, McGloin's uh, worth in, in that region. I don't know if he's a, a, a big-time leader, if people follow him or not. Uh, people want to uh, play harder for him, but they do for Carr. I know that. Uh, that's that's my take on the situation. I don't know uh, what else you wanted me to say there. but uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah. That's about it. We uh, went off the fantasy tip there for you, Zach, 1791. Uh, the Ravens-Broncos matchup. Now, my actual question's with the Broncos, but just for posterity, want to make a clarification. Heard Staggs getting on me and D-Rex about my four-set love. I'm not going to run through all the numbers, although I've got them here. I think they speak for themselves. There's some fascinating numbers, to be honest with you, with four-set. But I've got him as my number six in a half-point PPR. I do have him as number ten uh, in my standard. Uh, that's where I think Forsett would end up. I, I do think he's going to be an RB number one. Um, Dog, what do, you, what do you think his chances are of uh, ending up RB number one in a PPR? Um, it's, wow. I'd, actually, in a PPR system, I think they're yeah. really good. I think the chances are really good he ends up a, a, an RB one. Um, I think that, listen, these guys, I don't know what exactly it is. I think the fact that Forsett had never really done it before, um, that last year it was just kind of a it almost seemed like a fluky thing that that happened. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a little scary thinking about him uh, being your your number one RB. But the fact of the matter is that tre- that Tressman system um, in a yep. PPR league, there's almost no way that he's not going to catch a ton of balls. Um, is he's not a big back, and it, it scares me the overusage. Uh, will he be able to survive the year? Um, it's, it's a, that's what makes it a little bit scary. But if he is healthy for a full 16 games, I think there's no doubt he's actually going to be an RB1 in a, in a PPR system uh, for sure. And I, I back you on that. I have more love for him than these other guys do because I just I know how much systems and schemes make a difference with certain players. And Forsett is one of those guys where it's going to make a big difference being in this Tressman system. Um, people yep. don't understand just how, uh, how much it boosted somebody like a Forte, you know, Forte set the record for receptions by a running back of all time in that Tressman system. It's just what it does for yep. you. So yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely going to help uh, his fantasy outlook this season for sure. And you'll, you'll be happy with the guy in a PPR system for sure. Yeah, and before I even you know get into the system, I mean, I just think a lot of people don't understand he had the highest percentage of all breakaway uh, or highest 
breakaway percentage of running backs last year, 41.7. All eight of his TDs came inside the red zone, but he was actually second for most um, runs for 15 yards or more. He had 18, and although he's going to turn 30, he doesn't have the tread on his tires that most do. And in fact, um, last season, he finished as the eighth best fantasy, 10th in points per game. Uh, He averaged more than four yards per carry in his first 13 games. And in the six seasons that he's carried the ball in the NFL, uh, he didn't get any carries as a rookie year, actually. Uh, He's averaged five yards per carry four different times. Um, He had, of backs that had at least 60 rushes last year, he had the highest yards per carry, Um, 5.4, basically. Uh, I think he's just phenomenal. And then when you get in the Trestman system, this comes from Paul Chargian, uh, every time Trestman has been coach or offensive coordinator, his running back, his first running back, has averaged 71 receptions a year. Forsett had 44 last year. So I think it's he's easy in solve. Um, he's easily going to be looking for 70, 80 receptions, and I just don't see how he can't be PPR number one. But I digress. Starting to get all hot and bothered over here. I do have a Broncos question for you. Okay. Uh, Where do you stand on Cody Latimer? Um, He he was everybody's darling at the beginning of the year, but right now he is undrafted in 12-team PPR leagues, according to FFC, and he's going 13th in standard. Uh, Where do you stand on Cody Latimer? All right. Um, First of all, he is a great talent. I I, I think that he's he's got a – a bright future eventually. Here's the problem. He's got the uh, James White-itis um, where you can just jump off the page, jump off the charts uh, in practice and, you know, playing uh, amongst yourselves, uh, you know, out on the practice field where, the, you know, nothing's on the line or whatever. And that's – or whether the pads are on or off. Um, it's, just, it's the same thing with him and James White uh, for the Patriots. Uh, it, it was looking early on uh, when they were uh, practicing without pads and stuff that James White was going to run away with that uh, uh, that third down back role, that Vereen role that you call it, and everybody was loving him. But the fact of the matter is, is once you got the pads on and once you put him up against real competition, he looks like shit. And that's the exact same thing with Latimer. You put him out on the field and you put him out there when it counts and something goes haywire in his brain. He starts running wrong patterns. Uh, he's, he starts uh, dropping balls that he shouldn't be, uh, making boneheaded mistakes, and that it's proven itself to happen again. Uh, he was a mental midget last year. He admitted that he just didn't know the playbook at all, but now he said he studied it all and he should know it all. Then why were you running wrong, wrong routes in that third preseason game? What's going on with that? So, uh, uh, do I think he's worth grabbing? Absolutely. Um, in, a, in a Denver Broncos offense uh, with Sanders coming off of uh, an injury, um, who knows what's going to happen there. Sanders has never been known to uh, be a guy to stay on the field. He did stay on it for 16 games last year, but that was more the anomaly. He usually ends up injured at some point or another. Um, Latimer's worth taking. I mean, will they maybe bring Andre Caldwell off the bench first ahead of Latimer just to teach Latimer a lesson? Maybe. Um, I think the first play from scrimmage in that fourth preseason game um, or something like that, or maybe it was the third one, I don't know. I think Caldwell went for a 70-yard touchdown or 77-yard touchdown from Osweiler. So they have, they have confidence in Caldwell, but he's not that talented. The fact of the matter is, is that Latimer's more talented. He's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the hands uh, when it doesn't count. 
we'll see what happens. But I, if the fact that he's going undrafted, uh, did you say, in PPR 12-team leagues? Uh, Undra- undrafted in PPR and 13th round in standard. That's the, I think you're getting a steal in that. He's definitely worth a shot um, at those points for sure. Yeah, he hasn't looked good. No, he hasn't. <laughs> this year. And, you know, if you want to ingratiate yourself with a Peyton Manning, it's not going to be by running the wrong route and, and dropping balls and by doing <laughs> boneheaded things like that. You know, he is an offensive coordinator on the field, and he expects you to know what the hell you're doing. Yep. And when Cody Latimer is pulling bonehead, you know, Bush League moves, it's concerning. One uh, interesting stat was thrown out by Mike Clay. I've used this one before, but uh, when Kubiak was with the Ravens last year, they were bottom five for wide receiver sets. I want to say they were like 30th in uh, three wide receiver sets run. You know, now that he's in Denver and Latimer's the number three wide receiver, I just I don't know if he's going to be on the field as much. And offensive line, they kind of scare me. They're uh, nothing too uh, good thing Peyton Manning has such a quick release, but they're nothing to feel too confident with that offensive line. That's that's true. I mean, uh, they did get a boost recently when they um, got uh, was it Mathis Evan. Um, yeah, he's he's injured or something right now, isn't he? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. No, I think they inserted him. He was, I mean, did they? Yeah, into the right guard spot. They really needed that pretty bad. Um, does it make them uh, a top ten offensive line by no means? Um, uh, Stags and I were uh, were talking about it just the other day, and they may have gone from the twenty fifth uh, offensive line to maybe Stags thinks maybe. 15th simply with that with that uh, oh. sign trade I don't think it's that big of a boost I, I think it oh, maybe gains them five spots I still think they're in the lesser half of the league in offensive lines but Manning gets the ball out so quick anyway um, okay. and he avoids getting sacked better than most um, not because of his running ability uh, by all you know everybody knows that but because he's so darn quick through his progressions and because he's so in tune with his offense um, so you know, I, I don't think it bothers me all that much, the offensive line. It's a bummer in certain respects, but uh, getting, getting Evan Mathis there, that was, that was a bo- big boon for them. Um, the- that, is, that is a big boost. And uh, so what I still think, though, I, with the Kubiak, that, that worries me. I don't think they're going to be running more. Uh, maybe with the offensive line, maybe they're going to be in two tight end sets more. Yep. I just don't think he's going to be on the field as much. Agreed, fully agreed. The last thing I want to say about that game is uh, back to four set real quick. Um, yeah. He catches passes pretty darn well. You know, I mean, I think he had, what, 59 targets or something last year, and he caught 44 of them. Uh, granted, I mean, that's not that's not tremendous, but it's, I mean, that's good. I mean, he has pretty good hands uh, from, from what I could tell and from what I've seen. Without Perriman um, to start off the season, basically, and because he's fallen behind and uh, uh, his injury and stuff, with Kamar Aiken on the outside there and Stevie Smith and – Crockett Gilmore as your starting tight end with Max Williams, uh, slow to learn the system and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, man. I I think that Flacco is going to really hang on to Forsett quite a bit. I mean, it's not just the system that's going to get him more uh, more targets and more catches, but I think Flacco is going to depend on him a little bit more as well, simply because the talent uh, with Torrey Smith not being there and being a familiar face for Flacco, having Kamar Aiken as your second wide receiver on the outside. You're gonna to look to flack. Uh, you're gonna to look to Forsett just a little bit more, so that helps his uh, uh, overall fantasy value as well. 
Yeah, uh, and it's too bad with Perriman. I was really excited to Me see too. what would happen there, but uh, it looks like we might have to hold on a while. But like you said, it's it's good for for set owners. Well, for P- Perriman, I do want to talk about that for one second, real quick. Perriman is a very very nice talent. Um, that Ravens really targeted getting this kid, um, and they can't wait to get him rocking and rolling in that offense. And once he does uh, get back from the injury and uh, gets himself insert, inserted into that starting lineup next to Steve Smith, he's going to be a, a guy that you're going to wish that you had grabbed later on uh, because I'm sure that his ADP is falling and falling and falling. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know if he's even being drafted in, in some leagues at this point, but I think that he is a guy that you should target later rounds and uh, wait and see what happens because in that offense, you want as many offensive players as you possibly can, starters. I love Steve Smith this year. I think that he is going to way outperform his ADP, and I think people are going to really love what he's going to do for them, a steady force in an in a offense that allows for two wide receivers, much less one, but two wide receivers to put up top 10, top 15 numbers, which is what Marshall yeah. and Jeffrey was, were doing for Tressman. Um, and it allows for a top tight end and a top running back. I mean, you want the starters on this Baltimore Ravens offense. It may take a little bit to get going, as it did with uh, the Bears, but once it gets rolling and once they get the right personnel in there who they're confident in having as their starters, you're going to want everybody that you can. Yeah, and I think Stevie Smith, he's already announced it, you know, this is his last season. Yep. I think he's he's going to go off into the sunset uh, not like John Wayne at the end of Shane, <laughs> lumped over, probably dead, just riding a horse, but he's going out Butch Cassidy, Sundance, guns a blazing. Full fire! I think he's going to go out on top. I'm really liking uh, Stevie Fisk. He has and not lost a single bit of fire. He already got into a fight defending uh, one of yep. his fellow players. Uh, got thrown out of the game. Got didn't thrown he? out of a preseason game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just phenomenal. The, the yep. kid is really something else, and he's been a joy to watch for for his entire career. I'm happy that he has a, a system that's going to give him really good numbers as in his last year in the league. Um, it's going to be fun to watch, and I am going to be having him on my team one way or another. In Burchard Perriman, uh, he was going about the 10th pretty steady there. Gets the knee injury. I don't even think he's practiced um, with the, since the knee injury, which was, I don't know, middle second week of August, something yeah. like that. Um, anyway, he dropped from the 10th round, and he's almost in the 13th round now. Okay. Um, I think that you'd be getting a steal if you get him in, thir- in the 13th round. And I assume that it's just it's still dropping. Um, simply because, yeah. yeah. So uh, if you could get him later than that, you'll be a happy person at one point during the season. Yeah, I, I just saw the thing, Harbaugh talking about it, but saying, you know, he can't even answer when he's going to be back. He can't put a timetable on it. You know, he hasn't been to practice. So um, that's certainly the cause of it. But I don't think it's going to be something that lingers. I think once he gets going, second half of the season, he's going to be awesome. Yeah, think about it this way. Uh, Martavis Bryant. Uh, they had real concerns yeah. with him heading into the season. Um, he he had, had an injury he was dealing with. I think he they didn't even start using him until week what was it seven seven, seven something yeah. like that. Yeah. Look at what he did. Uh, and that I don't, I don't want to compare Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore run somewhat are obviously this year going to run different offenses. That Tressman offense is a, an animal of, of itself. But that Pittsburgh offense was you know. It, pretty big time last year. It supported a lot of fantasy points, uh, a lot of different guys put up huge numbers and had career years. 
that same could happen in, in Baltimore this year, so just watch out for that. If if he gets inserted into the lineup same time that Martavis got put in last year for Pittsburgh, you could see somewhat similar numbers. This kid is fast as hell, uh, makes yep. great catches. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I was bummed he went right before I was going to pick him up in, uh, I think, 13th round. I was going to uh, take him for one of my last picks. He went right before yeah, right, right before I got to him. Yep. Uh, Giants-Cowboys, another classic NFL showdown here. Witten, Jason Witten, he's currently going as the seventh tight end off the board, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, which, again, gives you the, the most up-to-date info. Yep. Um, he's going uh, eighth round in 12-team leagues. Now, in the last three years, his targets, Jason Witten's receptions, Jason Witten's yards have all gone down. Do you think that trend is going to continue, or is he a bounce-back candidate? I do not think that that trend continues. Um, the word bounce-back is a little tricky. Uh, I, do I think that all of a sudden he turns into uh, a, a playable stud again? No, I don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he's at that point in his career. Uh, he's a little older, a little too old to have one of those huge bounce back seasons where he gets back into, you know, top five, top seven, uh, you know, territory when it comes to fantasy. However, he will have a much better year. Um, last year, they didn't need him to do much. They needed him to be a part of that offensive line, which opened a million holes uh, for DeMarco Murray and made this team an awesome running team. He was a big part of the best offensive line basically in the entire league last year this year with not with them not having that great of a, a running uh, tandem back there I don't think anybody's going to be that scared of Darren McFadden or or Joseph Randall or even Christine Michael to start I don't know I mean Michael's going to have to get uh, up to up to speed with the system before they could trust him and get him in there um I think they'll be using Witten more. I think they'll be using him uh, on dump-offs a little bit more. Uh, I think that they'll have to pass a little bit more at first, and uh, Witten will be getting his targets. I think this will be a, a somewhat of a bounce-back year for him. Do I think it rises him back into the, you know, the top echelon? No, but I think he definitely has a better year than last year. I don't think the regression continues, no. Yeah, I th I'm about right there with you. I think he has better gear than years past, but I don't think all of a sudden he's what he once was. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to be throwing more. It's one of the reasons I love Dez so much with the DeParco, with the departure of DeMarco Murray. Yeah. Um, they're going to be throwing it more. I mean, Murray, gosh, last year in the red zone, he was tied for first with the most red zone attempts, 58. Oh, wow. uh, 12 of his 13 TDs came inside the red zone. And they don't, well... You know, now they've got Christine Michael, but they don't really have someone to take over, so I think they're going to be throwing a bit more once they get in close. Yep. Um, I just thought of this one here, because I was going to kind of get down on Joseph Randall. Um, you know, he averaged uh, 2.54 yards per carry when he was given double-digit carries, and that's in his career. So in his career, in his two years, every time he was given double-digit carries, he was only averaged 2.54. His rookie season, 3.0. Now, last year's that the, the skewed one, last year he averaged 6.7. Um, what do you say to a guy who drafted Joseph Randall and who just heard the news that Christine Michael has been picked up? Uh, what, do, what do I say? Um, too bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
Listen, Randall still will get the he'll still get the first shot at this to uh, see what he does. Um, and you're hoping, I guess, being a Randall owner, you're hoping he takes it uh, by the reins and, and really runs off with it. I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I think that they're, they're going to try and committee this a little bit until somebody takes the reins. You're hoping he does, but it's definitely uh, not a vote of confidence going out and trading uh, for a Christine Michael when uh, Dallas has had the opportunity to trade for a couple other backs, and, and they haven't, even knowing that they needed a back. Uh, they've, they've held off on trading because they didn't want to give up anything. They were waiting for waiver wire. But when it got to at this point where they feel that they could actually give up a draft pick for somebody, yeah. they like to hold on to those draft picks. When, when they decided they were willing to give up a draft pick for a Christine Michael, that definitely uh, took a, it gives Randall a major hit. Uh, to, to, to what he could have done this year. They wouldn't have given something up for Michael if they were planning on him at least being a good part of the committee, if not eventually taking over at some point during this year. So Randall owners, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, what happened there. Hopefully he could take the reins for you and run off into the sunset and give you some sort of, you know, RB2 numbers. But I, I just don't see it, not with the signing of Michael. Or the, yeah, I've got in a, a league – my high school league, I've got Randall, but he's my fourth running back. Now, a guy that has Randall, uh, and you're inserting him as, you know, you're going to need him as your starter. Would you, do you think this is overthinking it? Would you drop Randall and run out and get Christine Michael before the rest of uh, your league wakes up and hears the news? Um, no, I wouldn't drop Randall to for Michael. Um, but I would find a way to get Michael on your team immediately. Drop uh, something else, somewhere else. Uh, Randall, I think, is still worth holding on to um, because, I mean, Michael has not proven it yet. I think he's I think he's the ultimate talent when it comes to – I think he's the most talented of that backfield, um, but he hasn't proven anything yet. Um, nope. He uh, doesn't know the system yet. Uh, he doesn't know the players around him yet. It's going to take a little time for him. So Randall's worth holding on to. I mean, maybe Michael never gets it the whole season. Maybe it's just something that they're hoping for uh, the future. You know, it might just be something that the Dallas was thinking, all right, we got our back of the future. This year, maybe a mix and match. Uh, we'll still go with Randall and McFadden, but we got our guy for the future. Awesome. So, no, I think it's still worth holding on to Randall, but I would go get Michael somehow. Drop your second tight end or whatever, because those are streamable anyway. Agreed. Um, we are to the first of our Monday night matchups. They got two Monday night games. Yep. Uh, Eagles versus the Falcons is the 7-10 game. This is Eastern time. Let's look at the Eagles first. We've got a basic running back by community in Philly. Uh, in PPR formats, I want you to make a prediction. Give me a breakdown percentage-wise. How much do you think? Now we've got DeMarco Murray who's going in second round. We've got Ryan Matthews going seventh round. Darren Sproles going ninth round. What percentages do you think they're going to get? Uh, all right, so this is, this is a tough one. Um, you know, they, DeMarco Murray, I think, is the best talent there. Uh, I, don't get me wrong, I do like a Ryan Matthews, and Ryan Matthews could probably still be a starter on some other teams. But Murray's talent level is uh, supreme. Uh, the, the guy can't really do it all. Uh, so it, it, he's the guy they're, they're definitely going to want to ride if they can as much as possible. What's the percentage breakdown? Uh, 65 to 70 percent, I think, is what they give to Marco Murray 
at various times in the season. Do they want to start him off slow and go heavy later, or do they want to get off and run with him immediately? I think that they'll probably conserve him a slight bit to begin with, as they have been uh, during this preseason and, and, and during practices and stuff, even sitting him during practices uh, during the offseason over this last month, month and a half, when he had nothing wrong with him, just sitting him just for the purpose of sitting him. Um, I think that's a smart thing to do. He's a guy that has had trouble staying healthy throughout his career. Granted, he made it through last year with an immense amount of touches, uh, which is also concerning. So that's it'll be smart for them to taper back on uh, the, the touches, especially in the beginning of the year. But I still think he'll get 65% of them. Uh, Matthews will probably garner about uh, 30 25 to 30% of them, and then they'll give Sproles the extra, what, 5%, 7%, some along those lines. Um, so if you're breaking it down, if, you're, if you were to talk 40 carries over the course of a game, um, Murray's probably 25 to, to, you know, 26, Matthews 10 to 12, Sproles probably wouldn't get more than, you know, a few, whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's – if. If, if you're going like that, that's that's pretty much much what it's going to be. Sproles actually maybe get like five or six touches. They're, I know they're saying right now they want to get him a little bit more involved in the offense than they have, but they won't. It's not like Sproles is all of a sudden going to get ten touches uh, a game. He'll get his you know five touches and do the most that he can with him, which is good stuff. You know he's he's a one of a kind out there. You know get a five foot six guy who can you know jitterbug all over the field very often going for it, but he's. Uh, He's not going to get more than five touches a game. 65, 25 to 35 to 10. Yeah, I was basically right there with right there with you with Matthews. I had him about 30. Uh, I think Murray might be more little 55, 60, and Sproles 10, 15. Okay. I think um, if there's anybody that's going to get Sproles involved, Chip Kelly might find an interesting way to do it. Uh, but I'm basically right there with you. I'm a little bit higher on Sproles and maybe a little bit down uh, on Murray. Okay. Um, now, are you drafting those guys? Are you taking Murray second round? Um, if given the opportunity, um, I'll take him. Absolutely. Uh, I have not found myself in the position to be able to take him yet. Uh, but he would definitely be, I mean, if I could grab him in that second round and, and, and start off a, a team with him there. Yeah. Uh, that Eagles offense is just, it's something else. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fantasy points coming out of there and Murray is a uh, supreme talent. So yeah, I, I would definitely grab him. And they've got a great line. Uh, Cowboys are often overshadowing all offensive lines, but I think Eagles have a one of the top five offensive oh, lines. Especially run, uh, run uh, yeah. based, uh, run blocking. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, definitely huge for, for Murray here. Are you taking Ryan Matthews in the seventh? Um, he's worth a shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, right in that zone wouldn't be a bad place to to grab him in the seventh. Uh, if I can get him later, sure, but I don't think I would be able to. I think a lot of people are are are, are noticing his value right there, especially if anything was to happen to Murray. He's definitely uh, wow. Uh, that would be a steal grabbing him in the seventh. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would definitely take a shot on him there for sure. I think Sproles' value is over-pumped. He's going in the ninth. Uh, I, I don't think too I high take that. for my blood. Yeah, even even in PPR, I think that's too high for my my, my taste. I agree. Um, looking to the other side of the ball, the Falcons. Now, in recent years, the third wide receiver there 
has been fantasy relevant, especially, and maybe only, when either the injury bug strikes Julio or Roddy. Um, so in Fantasy Football Calculator, White is going off the board in the ninth round, um, and that's the last Falcon receiver that's going. Wow. Now, yeah, which really surprised me because they've got the three H's, right? They've got Hankerson, Hester, and Hardy. Yep. Um, Hankerson is the third guy there. Um, who do you like out of all of these? Because it's not locked up. Would you draft anyone knowing that that third wide receiver could bring some value? Would you draft any of those guys, and which one would you take? I would. I, I absolutely would, and it would be a Leonard Hankerson. Um, Hankerson won that job flat out, and, he, I mean, he was he's a newcomer there, and they didn't know what they were getting. He underachieved when he was in Washington, but the guy was drafted – knowing his talent level was very high. You know, he's not a small kid. He's, I think, what, 6'2". 6'2", uh, 210. He's got 4 inches and 20 pounds on Hardy. Yes, and not not just that, but his speed was off the charts. Um, if I remember correctly, he was running like 4'3", or 4'4", four, four, something like that. Uh, do you have the exact numbers in front of you? It was somewhere uh, along those lines, but he was he's a fast kid, too. He just he wasn't working well. In, uh, in Washington, um, he had some mental lapses there, which was obviously a problem, um, especially in such a d- dysfunctional you know situation as uh, it is there in, in Washington. No offense to you guys out there, uh, but it was it was and continues to be pretty dysfunctional there. Um, Hankerson getting a whole new shot at it in this Atlanta offense uh, with Matt Ryan throwing the ball around. He has proven to be the guy you want there, and with Roddy White having injuries already, having another surgery, and, uh, you know, his age obviously is catching up to him quite a bit. Um, yeah, Hankerson's the guy you want there. If anything was going on, go on with Roddy, Hankerson could easily slide into a second receiver role. Hester uh, has shown that he could actually take on some, some other snaps as well. And Hardy, um, I loved him at first. Uh, when they drafted him, I was very happy about that, and I thought that he would slide right into that uh, third wide receiver role. Uh, in the slot there, but Hankerson has played so well that Hardy's been a bit overshadowed. If anybody was to get hurt, it wouldn't shock me if Hardy took over that slot position and Hankerson went, uh, Hankerson went back on the outside. Um, but Hankerson's a guy I would want of those three. Yeah, I think they're going to be really pass-heavy there with the new offense coming in. And, yeah, he ran a 4-4, according to Rotowire, 4-4. 2-11, runs a 4-40, and his hands... 10 inches, 10.63. That's gigantic. Yeah, he's got some measurables that are appealing. And, like, you know, that offense is going to be pass-heavy. And in years past, um, that position, that third-wide receiver, can bring some fantasy coin to the table if needed. If I remember correctly, I think they have uh, one of the easiest strength of schedules for wide receivers, too, maybe. Uh, Maybe fourth? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. You're good. Fourth, fourth for wide receiver. You got it. Fourth for wide receiver. Fourth for running back. Third for quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun there. It's a fun team to watch, first of all, with Julio. Uh, that guy yeah. is just a blast to watch. Uh, him and Ryan just hook up uh, magically every, every game. It's fun to watch. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think too many people replay last year. I mean, on one hand, I'm always saying that you got to have a short memory in fantasy. 100%. But at the, at the same time, it's like they only expect last year to like duplicate itself. And Julio, he was banged up, and he is just 
an ungodly talent. And I don't think he's going to necessarily have the injuries that he did. I don't think that's going to be a concern. And I think he is just one of the best ones to watch. He is, I believe, I think I've got him at my number two wide receiver. Yeah, I have gone back and forth uh, uh, with three guys, uh, Dez, Julio, and Antonio Brown, um, all yep. offseason long. I can't quite figure out exactly who I want as my number one in the end, um, barring injury, if 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 you put 16 games next to each other with all three of those guys and nobody's injured, I think Julio ends up putting up the, the biggest numbers. Um, he is just primed right now, and they say he looks better than he's ever looked, and that's scary. Uh, I mean, because some of the shit that he was pulling off in those first few seasons, oh, my, oh, my. Uh, and with Roddy falling further down and with uh, Shanahan being there and being a throw to one guy specifically a ton, he's concentrates on throwing to one guy a ton. It's going to be Julio all year long. That guy will come down with some fantasy numbers that will downright scare you. Looking at the wide receivers and some of the strength of schedules, uh, Des Bryant, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. all have top five schedules yeah. for wide receivers. On the other side of the coin, Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, and Randall Cobb all have bottom five yes. strength of schedules. Now, there are so, certain guys that that sort of stuff applies to, and certain guys yeah. it doesn't. Antonio Brown, I don't think it applies to him as much. He's the type yeah. of guy who gets open at will. Um, I don't think that there are positions, players on any defense that can cover him. So uh, he's one of those guys that kind of def defies the strength of schedule thing. If you're looking at the, maybe the second receiver spot or, uh, you know, the, obviously the third receiver spot or maybe the tight end spot or whatever, maybe though that's who that sort of stuff affects. But players like uh, Antonio Bryant, I don't think uh, – or Antonio Brown, sorry. Uh, I don't think it affects him. I don't think it affects Des Bryant as much either. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and I've played with those guys all the time, especially those top three uh, Dez, Antonio Brown, Julio, that tier has just gone round in circles yeah, for me. for sure. Uh, last question, last matchup, the Monday night game number two, 1020. Uh, Vikings, they're playing the 49ers. I'm just going to focus on the Vikings here. Uh, you last year were a big Kyle, Ru uh, Kyle Rudolph believer. Um, you know, he's a Notre Damer. I love him. Um, he's still in that Norv Turner offense, which should produce. But I haven't heard you talk him up as much lately. Has anything changed in your mind? Is it due to the injury and you're just wanting to see the proof in the pudding this year? How are you feeling about Kyle Rudolph? It's a mixture of all of it. I am still extremely high on the kid. Um, it, it's uh, First of all, there's the it's the injuries have bothered me. That, that definitely bothers me the most. Um, the fact that he has not been able to stay healthy uh, for a while now, uh, for an entire season, is bothersome. You can only say a guy is, is so talented so many times, but if he's not on the field to show it, you got to start to look at various reasons other than uh, talent as to why you should not be drafting him. I still believe in his talent, though, and in that North Turner offense, North Turner turns tight ends into gold. Uh, he's been doing it his entire career. Uh, we know all the uh, don't need to go through the tight ends that he's uh, turned into gold, but uh, the fact of the matter is that. In that offense, it allows for Kyle Rudolph to become uh, an elite tight end. The fact of the matter is, though, otherwise they have a lot of talent and a lot of mouths to feed on that team. With Adrian Peterson being back, he's number one. 
plain and simple. And they will run him to death, and they'll use him in the way that they used LaDainian Tomlinson back in San Diego. Uh, this guy is primed for a huge season, and any time something goes wrong with AP and people say, uh, I don't know, can you really do it again? And we kind of doubt you here. We're putting you down our, our lists. You're not talking about you much. He proves you wrong. Uh, when you're coming off of that, uh, uh, the tearing of his knee in like three different places and putting up 2,000 yards the next freaking season, are you kidding me? Uh, I will never doubt that guy ever again. Every time you do, he, he changes your mind. So I am huge on uh, AP this year. But like I said, that's going to take away from Kyle Rudolph a bit. Charles Johnson I'm a huge fan of. I was the second he was drafted as a seventh rounder uh, and passed through a few different teams before finally hooking up with Minnesota here. Love the situation he's in. They have Mike Wallace to feed, obviously. Even Jerry is right and, and Derek McKinnon. And, uh, there's, yeah. They just have a lot of talent, a lot of stuff going on there. It's, it's a really nice team, and that's forming into a really nice uh, uh, look for them. It's... It's it's interesting. That's why Rudolph has kind of fallen off my radar a little bit. The injuries have uh, bothered me some and the amount of mouths to feed, but I'm telling you right now, he's in a perfect system uh, with a perfect coach that can get this guy into the elite. So he's worth taking a chance on for sure. Yeah, and I've got him in my third tier, but I've got him 10th. Um, and the the thing is, if you're going to roll the dice on him, I don't even feel the need to back him up because you can stream tight end. There are so many guys in that tier that are basically about the same. And the beauty with Rudolph is he could easily jump up into the other tier and perform like some of the other guys that are being drafted much higher. It comes, so yeah. that's why I, I don't mind the risk of, of a Rudolph. Absolutely. And I think that that should be the common strategy for fantasy uh, players who have not had their drafts yet. Think of it this way. If you do not get one of those top four tight ends that we talked about earlier uh, with Olsen and, and Graham and Kelsey in that second tier being uh, being alone there, or Gronk, obviously, if you're not getting one of those four guys and aren't willing to spend uh, the pick that you would have to spend to get them, and I haven't yet. I have yet to take any of those four guys on any of the teams I've mocked or, or, or whatever. Um, then you wait, and you can take one tight end and – if something happens to that tight end, you could pick up another one. It might just be the same thing. But Kyle Rudolph is one of those type of guys that you can wait pretty far down the line if you want and grab him later on. I don't, I don't know. What's his uh, ADP at this point? Do you have it in front of you? Round 11 when I uh, was doing my um, tiers a couple days. Uh, there you go. You can wait. On, if you don't get one of those top four guys, wait, period. I'm telling you. Wait until the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. Even farther down, 14th round, you're going to get one of these guys who can jump into those top five. Uh, Kyle Rudolph can do it just as easily as anybody. Uh, we talked about him earlier. Charles Clay could do it, if you ask me. Um, I know a lot of people are down on him, and AD, his ADP has got to be super low, but I think he's like the 20th ranked uh, tight end for people. No, uh, that guy is going to yeah. be peppered. Uh, but Kyle Rudolph is one of those guys you can grab late and uh, have confidence in it and just keep him alone. And if it turns out he isn't what you hope for, there's going to be other guys out there you can grab, believe me. Yeah, streaming tight end this year is one of the best years to try out that strategy if you haven't do it and if you haven't done it. But you've got to be in one of the leagues that you can pick up a guy every week if you need to. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you can't be in one. You know your league. You can't be in one of those things where you've only got a certain amount of pickups or. Uh, every couple of weeks or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, for sure. All right, man, that 
takes us through the first week of NFL games. I am so excited, and Doug, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, Thank you so much. Oh, that is uh, purely my pleasure. I was uh, looking forward to doing this. You know, I was, I was listening to some of the other ones, and it, you, you do a great job emceeing this thing. And uh, yeah, it was it was very cool. I like this one on one thing. It's uh, I don't want to say it gets tedious with uh, going with the round table with the four of us, but you know, we go really long. You know, the, those three hour yeah. podcasts. Uh, yeah, I love them. Don't get me wrong, and I love talking with the guys. But three hours swears on you. I like this uh, short, quick to the to the point. Granted, this one was probably a little longer uh, than some of the other ones for sure. Uh, but uh, we got to give the people what they want. They want to hear from dogs, so we got to give the people uh, what they want. It was definitely my pleasure. It's good talking about all this first week stuff too. It's so uh, wow. I'm uh, jizzing in the pants right now. Looking forward to Thursday night. I know it's here. It's finally here. I can't wait. Fantasy goo all over the place. Thank you much, brother. Oh, no it's been a problem, pleasure, brother. As always, folks, we can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, or Stitcher. Leave us a review if you would. Heck, if you've already left us one, steal your mom's email and leave us another one. Uh, as always, I'm Pyromaniac Mo. You can hear us next week. We're going to be coming out probably during the season, Friday, maybe even Saturday. Uh, we're going to have lots to talk about. In season, we'll be going over the Thursday night games. We're going to give you some streaming options, talk about flex appeal, who's got some PPR prowess, uh, certainly injury updates, um, talk a little daily, give you some decent matchup plays, keep your eye on waiver wire pickups, and, of course, give you all the latest Huey Lewis in the news and notes. Thanks a lot, folks. This is Pyromaniac Mo signing off, and we will catch you on the flip side.